If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 will be in verses 8 and 9 today. The final two commands that we find from the Apostle Paul here in this letter to the church at Philippi. He says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Lord, the psalmist says, Lord, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things in your word. And Lord, even that prayer is a, a sign of dependence, Lord. A testimony that we can't make the eyes of our heart to see. Lord, it's not ourselves who can stir up our own affection, Lord, who can put all our attention on you, but but Lord, it's you who work by the power of your Spirit to draw our eyes away from the things of this world that distract us so that we might behold our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I ask that even as we hear your word today, that you would do that. Lord, I can't do that through my words. We can't do that through our listening. Lord, we need you, by the power of your spirit, to open our eyes that we might look at Jesus, that we might see Jesus, and by seeing Jesus, we might become more like Jesus. So, Lord, would you help us, we're asking, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, do you feel restless this morning? Would you say if you could look in the depths of your soul this morning that you would be someone who lacks peace in your life? Does your soul feel like a a hurricane, a tsunami is running through it right now, or, or does it feel like it is at peace? What does your soul feel like this morning? Do you, do you feel rest or restlessness? Do you feel peace or disruption down deep in your soul? I'm, I'm actually going to stop right here and just give you a, a moment to think about that. Because when, when was the last time that you, you stopped and thought about the state of your soul? When's the last time that you stopped and thought about, am I resting in Christ or am I restless in my soul? That, that's for everybody to ask today. I, I want us to ask the Lord to reveal to you What is going on in your heart and mind today? No one's excluded. No age is excluded. If you're here, Lord, show me, reveal, show me my heart this morning. Help us see our souls like you see them, Lord. Are are they resting in Christ or are they restless? 
And the reason I ask those questions is because we come to the last two commands from the Apostle Paul in this letter to Philippi. And these last two commands demand us to ask two questions. These are two questions that serve as a diagnostic test to see what is going in my, on in my heart today, what is going on in my soul today. Two, two questions that might reveal why you really have peace today or why you're lacking peace this morning. Here's the first question that we need to ask. What are you thinking about today? What are you thinking about today? Paul's first command, we see it in verse 8. He says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, he says this, Think about these things. Paul's giving us a long list of of qualities, of characteristics, of things that should be filling your heart and mind. Consider this a checklist. A checklist of things that you can check off to see if, if this thing that's crossing my mind right now on a regular basis, is this thing worthy of my thoughts? Worthy of my time and worthy of my attention. So the more boxes you check off in this list, the more worthy it is that you would give your affection and you would give your attention to it. Because when Paul says this, when he says, think about these things, he's talking more than about the passing thought. It's more than just a, a fleeting thought of something that, that crosses your mind. You're driving down the road, you look over, and you say, Sonic, 50-cent hot dogs today, or corn dogs today. That's, that's just a fleeting thought. You're probably not thinking about that two, three, four miles later down the road. No, what, when Paul says, think about these things, he's saying, you need to dwell on these type of things. You need to dwell on them, meditate on them, to reflect until they affect you. That's what it means when Paul says to think, to to reflect until they affect you. So when I ask you this morning, what are you thinking about, church? Brothers and sisters, on a daily basis, every day, when you start to daydream, when you're sitting at your office cubicle and your mind goes somewhere, what are you thinking about? And what I'm asking is, what are you captivated by? What are you fixed on? What are you dwelling on that you just can't get out of your heart and mind? So let's just go through this checklist together. Let's just walk through the checklist. And and as we do, ask yourself, what am I thinking about? What is in my heart and mind? First off, Paul says, whatever is true. Christians, out of everybody in the world, should be people of the truth. We should be people who meditate and think on and dwell on what is true. We shouldn't be dwelling on what is false. We shouldn't be dwelling on something that is a lie. That, that means there should be no room in your mind for you to waste your time on idols. Because 
The book of Isaiah says, the person who serves idols, they can't even hold up their idol in the sky and say, this idol that I hold in my hands is a lie. We have to think about that. What is, that is true, not false, not a lie, but what is true. He says, second of all, whatever is honorable, anything that's, that's dignified, that's worthy of being lifted up and looked at, anything that's worthy of your respect, that, that's what it means to be honorable. We give honor to where honors do, right? We, we give attention to what's worthy of our attention. And if we're honest, too many of us are giving way too much of our attention to dishonorable things today. Like I pulled up some of your all's YouTube history that today, and we're going to... Now I'm just playing. You're like, what? Me? I mean, a lot of us have watched more cats jumping through boxes than we've watched and looked at Christ lately. Are, are we giving our hearts, affection, our minds, attention to that which is worthy of our attention? That's honorable. 30 says whatever is just. Talk about a, a, a buzzword today. There's a lot of talk about justice in our world today. About what is right. And as Christians, we should love justice. We, we should love justice. The Bible drives us to justice, but it's not a generic thought of what is just in the eyes of men. This isn't for us to think about what, what justice is and justice is like to our political party or to our co-workers or to our school board or to the culture at large. No, Christians, we think about what's right in the eyes of God. We, we think about what is right and true and just that lines up with God's character. That's what we think about when we think about what is just. The, the fourth thing he says is whatever is pure. We, we should be people who think about and look at those things which are holy which are pure, which are innocent. The, the word literally means to be not tainted at all. So we should look at what is only pleasing to God e even when no one else sees what we're looking at. Let me take it a step further. We should think about what's only pleasing to God when nobody else knows what we're thinking about. Because Revelation 3, Jesus says this, I am he who is searching heart and mind. So whatever you think someone doesn't see, the impure things I'm looking at, the, the things that are tainted that I'm setting my heart on and thinking about what well, Jesus sees exactly what has your heart's attention and your mind's affection. The fifth thing he says is whatever is lovely, we should want to think about and be captivated by those things which are beautiful and attractive to the holy God of heaven. The things that are lovely to our great God and King. Why would we want to fill our minds with anything that God would think is repulsive? We should fill our minds with what God sees as, as beautiful is lovely. The next thing he says is whatever is commendable. 
ask yourself this question. Is what I'm thinking about, is what I'm thinking, what's always in my mind, could I commend it to another Christian? Like, could I recommend that another Christian think the same things that I think after me? That's a great question to ask. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know what, I could go and tell this friend or this guy what I'm thinking right now, but, but I probably couldn't tell him or I probably couldn't tell her. All our thoughts should be commendable to other people. And then he says this, if there's any excellence, that means anything, these are kind of overarching phrases at the end, if there's anything that's good and admirable and virtuous, think about that. And then he says, if there's anything worthy of praise, we should stop sometimes and and we should take ourselves 10 trillion years into the future and think about what's going to be celebrated when I get there in eternity. And if it's worthy of being celebrated there, It's worthy of our attention here. Is it worthy of praise? I mean, think about this. What are you thinking about right now? Is it those things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? Then think about it. And look, every single one of these should be taken together. The whole checklist is of equal importance. This isn't a buffet to pick from, okay, Christian? This isn't a buffet where, where you think about what's true, but you, really, you don't really care if it's lovely or commendable. I mean, we have a lot of Christians, sadly, today who care so much about justice but care so little about purity. This is a, a whole list for all of God's people, for all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all of you. All of these should characterize what has your mind's attention and your heart's affection. Maybe another helpful way to read this passage is to read it upside down, to think about the opposites. What if we read it this way? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is unattractive and repulsive, whatever is reprehensible, If it's not excellent, if it's not worthy of praise, Christian, don't give another second to these things. Don't waste your time on these things. One of my, my, me and my kids love to play board games at home. Any other families, big board game people? We we love sorry. We love a, a great rivalry in shoots and ladders or Uno or Candyland. Those are coming up some of the top ones. But there's another game we like to play called Guess Who. You know the game. It's got all these cartoon characters that look like nobody in the real world. Like literally nobody looks like these people. And what you do is you ask questions. You guess features of the people to see what's on your opponent's card. And, and if the person doesn't have that feature, what do you do? You knock it down. You knock it down until there's this last face that's looking at you. And that face, that's the one that you're left with. That's the one that's the person. Well, if you were playing guess who with every person that's ever lived in the history of the world, 
And you ask these questions, are they true? Are they honorable? Are they just? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they commendable? Are they excellent? Are they worthy of all praise? There's only one face that will be standing at the end. And that's the face of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's doing in this passage. He's driving our minds and hearts to think about Jesus. Oh, there are many things that we can think about that are true and that are honorable and just and pure and lovely. But more than anything, he's saying, set your heart's affection, set your mind's attention on Jesus. He's calling us Christian. He's calling you to be captivated by Jesus, to dwell on Jesus, to be fixed on Jesus. Jesus Christ, your perfect and only Savior. He's saying that Jesus is worthy of every second of your mind's attention and your heart's affection. There's no such thing as wasting your time and attention on Jesus. No one's ever wasted a second on Jesus. So meditate and look at and be captivated and fixed on Jesus. And every second is worth it. One of the early church fathers was named Ignatius of Antioch. If you don't know about Ignatius, he was a martyr. A martyr who was fed to lions in Rome. And An interesting fact about Ignatius is he was a disciple of the Apostle John. And so, who was his, great, who was his grandfather in the faith? It was Jesus, right? It was Jesus Christ. John was the beloved disciple of Jesus Christ. So so what does Ignatius, the disciple of John, a, a grandson in the faith of Jesus, tell Christians like you and me? Well, this is what he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said, apart from Christ, let nothing else dazzle you. Apart from Christ, let nothing else dazzle you. Let nothing else attract you. Let nothing else captivate you like Christ. We should be our hearts, our minds, we should give ourselves over to look and behold Jesus Christ, our one and only Savior who lived for us and who died for us and who rose again. And look what it says in our passage. Listen, the God of peace, he promises his presence to those who are thinking about him. I mean, if you look at this passage again, this is all one sentence. Your English Bible probably has a period at the end of verse 8, but it's really all one sentence. He's saying, finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, And whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then at the bottom of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. If you think about these things, the God of peace will be with you. This is what he says. This is exactly what it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Look at this passage. It says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? 
stayed on you. Not mind is a, a fleeting thought on you. Not who you, you think about him for a second on Sunday. No, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. J.I. Packer said this about the Puritans. J.I. Packer said, the Puritans lived slowly enough to think deeply about God. The Puritans lived slowly enough to think deeply about God. Maybe the first step for us to take this morning is to slow down so we as God's people can think deeply about our God. So that we can think deeply about Jesus. Because the fast pace that many of us are living right now, the frantic pace that we're going at, it's only leaving you enough time for what's trivial. It's only leaving you enough time for, for tweets. But is it leaving you enough time to meditate deeply on Jesus? I mean, think about this. What if the enemy's greatest goal is not to destroy you, but to distract you from Jesus? What if the enemy's greatest goal in your life is not to destroy you, but to distract you from Jesus? Ask yourself, how's he doing? Because when we look at our hearts and we experience restlessness in our hearts, when we stop and think just for a second about what we think about, it makes sense how restless we are in our lives. When we think about true crime shows more than we think about the true Christ, when we give all our attention to our smartphones and so little attention to our Savior. When we're captivated, captivated by fake images that have been doctored up on a computer screen instead of captivated by a beautiful, perfect Savior. When we're fixed on our failures and our frustrations instead of the finished work of Christ. No wonder you're so restless. No wonder your heart is so restless. Brothers and sisters, let's think about Jesus. Let's dwell on Jesus. Let's be captivated by Jesus. That's why starting in December and for the next foreseeable future, we're going to walk through the Gospel of Luke. And our goal is just to look week after week at Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the friend of sinners, the King of glory. Glory. Look at Jesus, because where else are we going to look? I mean, if you got, go to a church and they're not looking at Jesus, if they're not pointing you to Jesus, just walk out the doors, because Jesus is the only one worthy of our heart's affection, our mind's attention. And finally, the second question we have to ask is, what are you living out? What are you living out? Paul gives us in verse 9 the second commandment, the last commandment of the letter. He says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. He says this, practice these things. He's saying, you've seen me. You've watched my life. Now imitate me as I've imitated Christ. 
follow my example, and, and you now live it out. You practice what I've preached and lived out for you. The first set of words, this learned and received, this, this is the truth that the church heard from the apostle Paul. Paul's talking about him teaching the word of God, teaching the gospel, teaching sound doctrine that he delivered to the church at Philippi. And then the second set of words, it says this. These are just as important as learned and received. He says this, heard and seen. Paul's pointing them to his personal example. It's the Philippian church hearing the very words from Paul's lips and observing his very life. If you're a mother or father right now in here, you, you need to listen up because Paul wasn't just talking about Jesus with his lips. He was showing Jesus with his life. That's why he can say, not only what you learned and heard, and I kept yelling down the stairs at you over, but what you saw, what you heard from my lips, what you saw with my life. Practice these things. The whole letter's pressing this truth home. Church, it's not just about us getting the gospel right. It's not us just having the right gospel content. It's not about us just being right in our doctrine. It's about living in light of the gospel. Whether in sickness or in health, whether in suffering or prosperity, whether you're in prison like Paul or you're in a paradise, how do you practice the truth that set you free? How are you living in light of the gospel? Because we're all practicing something. We're all looking like someone in here today. You've learned from someone and you've received from, one, from someone and heard from someone and watched someone. And that someone you're probably imitating. You're probably looking a lot like them this morning. Are you learning from or receiving from the, the Fox News anchor? or your favorite YouTube star, and you start looking a lot like them? Have you seen and heard the, the life of an angry father or a self-centered friend, and, and you're starting to look like them? Whose life are you watching closely? Who are you imitating? Who do you look like? Is it just the rest of the world? Or are you following the godly examples of your brothers and sisters in this church? People like the Apostle Paul, are you looking like Jesus? And look what he says again. He says, the God of peace promises his presence to those who practice the truth. Look at verse 9 again. What you've learned and received and heard and seen with me, in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, God promises his, his presence not to those who just think about Jesus. Not just to those who hear about Jesus, but to those who live like Jesus. Those who look like Jesus, who practice what they've heard and what they've seen and what they've received. This is exactly what Jesus said in John 14. Listen to this passage. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And then what does he say? And I will manifest myself to him. 
to those who keep my commandments, I will manifest myself to them. The God of peace will be with you. Or think about the Great Commission. We all know this verse. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We usually stop there, but what's the last verse? And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. God, Jesus, promises his presence not to those who sit and make cookies, but to those who go and make disciples. Those who walk in obedience, those who hear the word of Jesus and go and make disciples. Listen, let me be really clear. It's not enough just to learn and to receive and to hear and to see and to never be different. It's not enough to show up on Sundays and, and to hear about the truth, but never put it into practice. It's not enough to sit in a dozen campus Bible studies receiving the truth, but never applying the truth. It's not enough to call yourself a Christian, and yet you couldn't care less about being Christ-like. I got a text message just this week from a guy who's been struggling in a relationship who obviously through his text was just restless and broken and frustrated. And it's a relationship he just keeps going back to again and again. And, and it's burned him many times. And he texted me the other night. He, he's, he's hurt. He's at rock bottom. And he said this. He said, Christ is enough. He texted me, Christ is enough. And I just texted him back, Christ is enough. But that's a lot easier to text than it is to live. It seems easy to text that every couple months when you're back in the same place. But living out the truth that Christ is enough for me, I've rearranged, my, my life has been rearranged because Christ lived, died, and rose again. Listen, God doesn't want your, your text and your tweets this morning. He doesn't need your flowery Facebook posts. He's not just after your raised hands or your regular Sunday attendance. He wants your obedience. He, he wants your heart's affection, your mind's attention that, that shows up as allegiance to him in every day of your life. Again, those who practice these things, Paul says, are those who are promised his presence. God doesn't promise those, his presence to those who hear the truth this morning, but to those who practice the truth. He says, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you, do you want peace? Do you feel restless today? What are you thinking about? Are you feeling restless today? Do you want peace? That, then are you living out the truth that you know, the truth that you've heard, that you've seen? Maybe a good exercise today would just be to read through Philippians again this week. To remember, what have I learned? What have I heard? What have I received? And ask yourself, what am I putting off practicing? 
How am I delaying obedience that's actually delaying the presence and peace of God in my life? I mean, just go through the book of Philippians and think, am I living my life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? And am I counting others more significant than myself? Am I looking out to the interest of others instead of my own interest? Am I working out my salvation with fear and trembling? Am I doing all things without grumbling or disputing? Am I holding fast to the word of life? Am I rejoicing in the Lord always? Am I counting everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? Am I forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead? If you're not doing some of these, that might be why you're lacking peace today. That might be why you're lacking the presence and power of God in your life because you're putting off what God clearly has told you to practice. I mean, just last week we were sitting in a pastor's meeting and I said to the pastors that I have a praise because I want to give God praise because I've never felt over the last few weeks a more quiet and restful soul than I have probably in my life. I probably haven't felt a more quiet and restful soul than I have in my whole life. And believe me, there's been plenty of times where the central truth of my life is that I'm restless. Seasons where where restlessness is the central characteristic of my heart. Where my soul has felt like a hurricane running through it. There's times where my thoughts were so consumed with myself. I was a a self-absorbed soul which leads to self-destruction. Moments where I felt paralyzed by my own religious performance, by religious busyness. Years of my life, you've heard me say it before, where every second I thought I'm probably letting someone down somewhere right now. Just a place of restlessness, a a place of where I lacked peace in a lot of ways. And I was sitting there this week looking at this passage and thinking, what's changed? What's changed in my heart? What's been different these last few weeks, and I think this is it. I've I've been thinking about Jesus. It doesn't sound like rocket science, but I've just been looking at Jesus and thinking about Jesus. I've been thinking about his perfect life, his death in my place, his resurrection, instead of thinking about my performance. I've been thinking about Christ's righteousness more and more and less about my own righteousness. I've been thinking about His grace and His mercy, His kindness, His forgiveness, His steadfast love that endures forever. I've been thinking about Jesus, the one who is true, who is honorable, who is just, who is pure, who is beautiful, who is commendable, who is excellent, who is worthy of praise for all eternity Every second won't be wasted, but we'll sing, worthy is the Lamb. I've been thinking about Jesus, the one who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That means the name that you should be thinking about. The one, the name that you shouldn't be distracted from, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Show me something that's better to think about than Him. As Charles Spurgeon said, he, he once said, Forget yourself and think only. Of Christ. That would go a long way in our hearts today if we would forget ourselves and think only of Christ. And thinking about Jesus, oh, this, this is the, the powerful and transforming power of the gospel, the truth about the gospel. When you keep looking at Jesus, you start looking more and more like Jesus. That's how the gospel works. When you look at Jesus, you start living like Jesus. You behold, and whatever you behold is what you become. So when you behold Jesus, the one who is high and lifted up, the one who is worthy of all praise, guess what happens? You start becoming like Jesus. So my encouragement today is keep looking at Jesus until you start looking like Jesus. That's a Christian life for you right there. Keep looking at Jesus until you start looking like Jesus. And then tomorrow, guess what you're going to do? Not, not a different step. Keep looking at Jesus until you look like Jesus. Until the day that you see his face. And this passage says, do you know who's going to meet you there? Do you know who will meet you in the place where you're looking at Jesus and looking like Jesus? This passage promises you the God of peace will meet you there. It says the God of peace will be with you. Do you feel restless today? Do you feel like you're lacking peace today? Look at Jesus until you look like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, don't allow the enemy for one more second to distract you from Jesus, to disrupt your peace and joy that comes through Jesus. Or as one older saint once said, apart from Christ, Christ's fellowship, apart from Christ, let's let nothing dazzle us. Let's pray. Father, we need your help to, to draw our eyes away from those which, those things in this world that cannot satisfy, those idols that are false, those sins which cannot satisfy, and Lord, to turn our eyes upon Jesus, the one who is true, the one who is honorable, the one who is just, the one who is pure, the one who is lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of all our praise, worthy of all our affection, worthy of all our attention. Lord, I pray for those this morning who don't know Christ. 
who've never looked upon Jesus Christ as the perfect, wonderful, and beautiful Savior that He is, Lord, I pray that they would not be distracted any longer by the enemy, but they would be drawn to the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for us as God's people that we would continue at Christ's fellowship to look at Jesus until we look like Jesus. That day after day, moment after moment, minute after minute, second after second, that we would look at Jesus, think about Jesus, be captivated by Jesus until we look like him. So Lord, turn our eyes upon Jesus. That we might look full in his wonderful face. And that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, you do this by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.